0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We all know that we've been affected by the events here of COVID-19. This pandemic has changed much of what happens in our nation. What, much of what happens in our world. If you were uh, out and about today, uh, this week, and uh, when the, the governor made uh, his announcement and those things, and you tried to go to the grocery store, you found that many items that you were looking for and one that we laugh about, toilet paper, uh, were simply not there. And uh, so there's been a lot of things that have been affected by this. In fact, major sporting events, the NBA shut down, the NCAA shut down their March Madness tournament, the NHL uh, canceled its gatherings, The MLB, Major League Baseball, pushed back its opening day, and golf has canceled the Masters. I mean, there is just a lot that has been impacted and shut down. Travel has been slowed. Schools have taken an extended spring break. And uh, to be honest with you, there's a lot of panic and a lot of fear that abounds. So how do we respond to this? I just want to address that just a little bit. How do we respond to a world that's in crisis? And I think that the, the answer to that is not a simple one way response, but I do believe that the Bible gives us great wisdom that followers of Jesus have been given responsibilities uh, to, for, for, to, to meet these needs and beyond. Uh, first of all, we're called to pray. And again, as we did earlier, our president has called for a national day of prayer, and that is today. Uh, Through our social media and other ways, we've been able to push out ways in which we can engage in prayer and with prayer needs. I want to encourage you to be praying this week, to be praying uh, as you can for our nation and pray for those around you and pray for opportunities as the body of Christ to be able to serve those that are in need. We're called to love. Love your neighbor as yourself is what the Scripture says. And so I want to encourage you to, to find someone who might be hurting, who might be in need and, and love them. Be patient with one another during this time. We're all trying to navigate um, these waters. And one of the ways in which uh, we, can, we can engage and one of the ways we can be a light is by loving our neighbors and looking for opportunities uh, to serve those who may be hurting. Also, trust in the promises of God. You know, it's not coincidence that back in February, the Lord led us down a series that we're in called Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises and that's what we've been in we're in this series and we're going to continue that today But let me just recap a little bit for those of you that might not have been with us or maybe you're watching online for the first time And uh, the promises of God are some very important things the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus In fact in Joshua twenty-one forty-five, 45 he, he recalled this in his days He said not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed every one of them was fulfilled And so we looked at promises. We have messages that are online that you can follow along. The Lord's presence, the Lord's protection, the Lord's peace, and the Lord's provision. And today we're going to talk about the promise of power. The promise of power. What do I mean by that? We'll see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a promise that was fulfilled after Jesus had ascended. There was a promise that he had made to his people And that promise, it was a wonderful promise, and it was a promise that people were looking forward to. It was the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of power. Let me tell you a story. A young missionary, Herbert Jackson, was given a a car to help him with his work, similar to what the Assemblies of God does through Speed the Light, is to give a vehicle to missionaries to do their work. And the car was a major asset, but it had one difficulty. It would not start without a push or without a jump start. So, Jackson devised a, a system to be able to cope with the car's inability to start. When he was ready to leave home, uh, he, he went to a nearby school and he asked permission to bring the children out of the class to kind of push start the car to get it started. And throughout the day, he was always careful to either park on a hill or, or to leave his engine running when he stopped for short visits. For two years, our young missionary used what he believed was an ingenious method to enable him to be able to use his car. Well, Jackson uh, soon found that he found some poor health. And the Jackson family had to leave the mission field, and a new missionary came on to lead the mission. And when Jackson had left, he explained to the new missionary the methods for starting the car. And so the new missionary came on, he opened up the hood, and he began to inspect it, and he said, why, Dr. Jackson, I I believe that the only trouble with your car is a loose cable. And he gave the cable a a twist, and he pushed the switch, and the engine roared to life. You see, for two years, Dr. Jackson had been using his own devices and endured needless trouble. The power to start the car had been there the entire time. It only needed to be connected. Friends, I share that because I think there's a tendency in our generation, especially today, to undervalue the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I, you know, I know I might be talking to different folks today. Perhaps you've been a, a believer a long time and, and you follow Jesus and you you go, I remember those days. Or perhaps you're somebody that is a new believer or maybe watching online for the first time checking us out. Today, I I want to encourage you that there is a power, a promise of power through the Holy Spirit that that is for us today, that enables us today to be able to do what God is calling us to do and to live our lives, not according to our own devices, but according to His power, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, today we have a tendency to, to, to strive. We have a tendency today to try to manipulate. We have a tendency today to try to use our own devices to make life happen. When all the while we have the Holy Spirit that has been available to us and promised to us. We've been defeated and exhausted in our own resources. And the problem is not the power. The problem is, is that we have not connected to the promised power of the Holy Spirit. See, following the resurrection of Jesus and his disciples, he gathered his disciples together to tell them that they would receive power to carry out the work that he had started. We see this promise first uh, talked about and that it was going to be fulfilled in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 48. Jesus explains this, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus is telling them about this promised power that is available to them and saying, it's coming, it's coming real soon. In Acts chapter 1, 4 and 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water... But in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he connects the promise of power with the Holy Spirit in verse 8 when he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The promise that Jesus is talking about is the baptism in the Holy Spirit The disciples didn't understand exactly what it was, although they knew that it had been prophesied about, that there was this power. But they followed the obedience that Jesus had asked them to do, and they waited in the upper room. They waited for the Holy Spirit to come upon them and to empower them to do the work that he had given them to do. And we see the fulfillment of that promise in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit as they waited and as they prayed, that promised Holy Spirit and that promised power came upon them. And Peter explained, where, where was this? How did this power, what, what is this power? And, 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 and some people thought they were drunk. In fact, Acts chapter 2, 15, it says the, that Peter has to explain to them, listen, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's nine in the morning. No, no, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. You see, this had been a promise that it started in the Old Testament. It was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And we see in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 30, 28 and 29, excuse me, it says this, that afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. See, this is the promise of what God was going to do. He was going to pour out His Spirit. Notice it says on all kinds of different people, on your your sons and your daughters, on your old men and women and on your young men and your servants. God was not gonna discriminate. The promise of the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to you and I does not discriminate by age or by gender or by race. It is a promise that is for everyone. The people acquainted with the Old Testament were familiar with that promise. They remembered the promises of the prophets. They remembered that in Isaiah the prophet said this, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. And in Ezekiel God had promised this, A new heart I also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put where? Within you. And I will put my spirit within you. And, and then the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel in Zechariah chapter 4, 6, and 7. Not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. This is Significant. This was a very significant thing because in, in, the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon individuals for a particular time. We, we see in the book of Judges 14 and verse 19 that there was a judge by the name of Samson and it says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. We also know that, that throughout the Old Testament, there were times when the Holy Spirit would come upon individuals. But now God was promising that when my Holy Spirit comes, it's not just going to be on certain individuals, but it's going to be available to everybody because of my son Jesus Christ. This is a gift and a promise available to everyone. Now I want to jump ahead to the New Testament for a moment. You see, Jesus arrives on the scene and his cousin John the Baptist has been preparing the way and telling people of this promised Messiah that would be coming. But how would they know who the Messiah was? John chapter 1, 32 and 33 tell us that John gave this testimony I saw the Spirit come down from heaven and a dove remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man whom you see the Spirit come down on to remain is the one who will, look at this, baptize with the Holy Spirit. Notice John said, I'll know him because the Spirit will come upon him. He's the one that's going to bring the baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, 16 and 17, Jesus is getting baptized and it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased You see, it is Jesus who is the baptizer. If we want the power, we've got to go through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who will baptize. That's what John 1.33 says. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise that was still to be fulfilled, but it was a promise that John the Baptist recognized that was coming and coming very soon through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus went on in the full extent in the ministry of the Holy Spirit on Himself, overcoming temptation, performing signs and wonders, healing, exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as word of knowledge and healing and discerning of spirits. But that promise was not just one that, that Jesus would experience, but rather that He would baptize or He would immerse all of those who follow Him in His Holy Spirit. Even before his crucifixion, Jesus began to emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He pointed out that the Father would send another comforter or another helper who would abide with them forever. He also indicated that it was necessary that he leave so the Holy Spirit could come. That's the importance, that's the importance that Jesus put on the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is available to every one of us as believers. And as we read earlier, his final instructions were to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, I don't know about you, but in this day and age, particularly with all of the fear and all of what is happening, we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. We need the power of God more than ever. There is a lot that is happening in our world today and much of it is a spiritual battle that we face. Much of it has to do with the very fact that sin has separated us from God and the effects of sin like a virus like this are at work in our world today and the world is looking for people who will walk in the power of Jesus Christ, who will walk in the promise of Jesus Christ and who will walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that those who followed Him needed the power of the Holy Spirit to continue the mission that He had left them with. And so the Holy Spirit and His power is essential to our lives. Let me just share with you three essential elements of why we need the Holy Spirit. First, we need an experience with the Holy Spirit. We need an experience with the Holy Spirit. Let me just talk a little bit about a poster child for this experience with the Holy Spirit. His name is Simon Peter. You know, Simon Peter was one of Jesus' main disciples. He, he was oftentimes one who would speak before he had the opportunity to process what he was saying. And uh, throughout history, the, the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, throughout the Gospels in the New Testament, we see stories that re- include Simon Peter. Simon Peter had an inconsistent journey. And in one moment, he's telling Jesus, if it's used, let me step out on the water and and, and walk to you. And so Jesus says, well, come on out. And there's Peter. He's the first guy. He is just walking on the water. Then all of a sudden, he gets his eyes off of Jesus on the wind and the waves. Anybody out here tell me, you know, you don't do the same thing. Your eyes are on Jesus. You're bold. Your eyes off of Jesus, the wind and the waves and the circumstances. And he began to sink and drown and and cry out to the Lord. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Another, another time he's meeting with Jesus and, and he declares that you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, oh yeah, man, the, only the spirit has revealed this to you. And then just the next breath later, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen to him, that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to suffer. And Peter's like, no, 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 that's not, you don't say those things. And he's rebuking Jesus. And Jesus is looking at him and saying, oh, hey man, get behind me, Satan. In one moment, you got Peter that is declaring, if everybody else turns against you, if everybody else stops following you in this, I will still follow you. I'm not going to turn my back on you in one moment. And the next moment, he can't even stay awake and pray with Jesus in the garden. And he's by a fire and and there's, there's people that are saying, you're with Jesus, you're with Jesus. No, that's not me. And he's denying Jesus. That, that is the inconsistent nature. And you know, you and I, in our walk with Jesus, we sometimes are inconsistent in our walk with the Lord. We're inconsistent in our faith in Christ. But here Jesus knew what Peter needed. He knew that Peter needed an experience with the Holy Spirit. And what we find as we read on the day of Pentecost, that all of a sudden there is Peter in that upper room and he is praying and he is seeking, he he is up there and he is seeking and waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit had been outpoured, when there was that moment when the Spirit had come upon him, there he was filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when those started saying, well these people are drunk, these people are crazy, there's Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost, preaching boldly, saying, no, 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 and calling people to repentance. It was a different kind of Peter, a different kind of Peter, because he had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to let you know that the promise of power is available to each and every one of us, and we need an experience with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are two experiences that we need to have. The first experience with the Holy Spirit we need to have is we need to be born again. We need to be born again. That is, we need to to begin to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and give our lives to Him. Now, everybody comes to the point, must come to the point where they begin to see the cross, they see their sinfulness, and they recognize, man, I am sinful. What is the answer to that? And to put their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, at that moment, it's called being born again. Jesus explains in John chapter, uh, Jesus explains that you must be born again in John chapter 3. Well, here's what happens. When we take a look at this, this Peter has and the disciples, they have an experience like this. John chapter 20, 21 and 22, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. You see, up until that time, Jesus had, had risen from the grave. The Holy Spirit had operated in the world around us and he didn't, he didn't live in anybody because it wasn't possible yet. But after Jesus rose from the grave, he removed the barrier of sin and and, and he steps into the room where the disciples are. And in that resurrected form, Jesus shows up in that room and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Breath, the ruach Ruach of God, just like he did when he breathed life into human beings. He breathed the Holy Spirit and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And for the first time in human history, you have human beings who now have the Holy Spirit replacing dead, empty space on the inside, now with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came in these disciples as they received the Holy Spirit. You see, when you pray, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to get born again. And when you do that, Jesus breathes a new breath. You are are born again. At that moment, His Holy Spirit comes into you. John 3, 5 to 7, Jesus answered this very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You see, childbirth is an experience, isn't it? I didn't, I didn't have to do that, thank God, right? I didn't have to do that. But some of you ladies, you did. You know, but likewise, when the spirit comes alive and reawakens Our spirit, it's an experience. So let me ask you, have you personally received the experience of being born again? The experience, has it happened to you that you have have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin? You've invited Jesus to breathe new life into your life, and you've been born again. You see, that's what we need to do. We all need to take that step. We all need to have that experience. That's the first experience, and we call that salvation. But there's a second experience that we need to have. Beyond salvation, we're saved by grace. It's a gift. There's a, another gift that God promises us, and we've been talking about it. God wants you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What He told those disciples not to leave Jerusalem for. You see, He told them not to leave really, if they've already received the Holy Spirit. Why would He tell them to wait for another experience? He tells them to wait because there is another experience that God wants us to have: the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Being saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is bringing life in you. The Holy Spirit is working with you, working to transform and to change those old habits and those ways. But you need another experience that the Lord promises because He promises us His power. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we allow our walk with the Lord to go a bit dormant, but we need an ongoing fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and, and at that moment that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, God begins to move inside of you. Now, some of you might be saying, you know, I'm not sold on that experience. I get the salvation thing, but this other secondary experience, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on that. Well, let me give you another illustration that I think might help you. You know, we have a tendency to, to think of life changes by doing disciplines with God. We, we do devotions, we fast, we read the Bible, we, we go to church, we get in small groups, We serve. And these disciplines and duties are really, really important to fulfill as we're trying to follow Christ. They're important, but, but friends, I want to let you know that it's not enough. We need a direct encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes us and empowers us. Let me describe it this way. How many of you remember that old that old video game Pac-Man? Anybody remember the old video game? I think they've started to come out with some things now and and you know Pac-Man's got to eat those little those little round, you know, little round power things as he's going. Sometimes there's fruit and so Pac-Man is waka 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 you know, and he's eating. And then all of a sudden, what do you got? You got these ghosts that are like chasing him, right? They they're wanting to get him. The ghosts are kind of chasing him and they're they're wanting to get him. You know, the disciplines of life are those little those little those little those little, you know, those little things that Pac-Man has eaten, those little balls that he's just going Bop, 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 waka, waka, walk, eating those things. And those are good. Those are the disciplines. But sometimes, sometimes we need something more. Sometimes we need a little extra. And you know, around the four corners, there are these, there are these, bigger, these bigger balls, right? Those are the power cells, right? And they give Pac-Man the ability that when he eats those things, all of a sudden he has the ability to turn around and there is nothing that can stop him. Friends, we can have the disciplines of God, and that's important. And we need to do that on a daily basis. But we also need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need God's power in our lives. And that comes through the power of His Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus and Christianity are not a philosophy. They're not a set of principles. It's not a ritual or a routine. It is a relationship with a real person. And you can't get in relationship with a real person as powerful as Jesus and not be changed. We, we want to depersonalize. We want to de-emotionalize. We want to decentralize Christianity. We want to make it nice and safe and make it into something that is in our own hands. But God is saying, friends, I want you to step out of the box and recognize that I have offered you a promise, a promise that is for you, a promise of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life that will bring change to you and that will also change the world around you. Now, I know that there are many seasoned Christians you say, and I remember those days. I remember those days. Some of you are struggling with this thought, though. Hey, listen, listen, I want to challenge you that we need that experience. Secondly, what we need is an explosiveness of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll receive power, life-altering, a little bit like riding a wave. You know, it carries us. It's it's powerful. It it, it carries us. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on you. And like the explosiveness, you, you, you begin to see God's work explode in you. Think about it like a tree branch. Branch and a tree branch connected to a tree brings life. John 15, you can read all about it. It's a great picture that Jesus taught about how the vine and the branches and that how the, 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 the life flows into the into the branches when it's connected to the vine. Well, if you can imagine as you look around in our winter world today, a lifeless, fruitless tree branch. And during the winter the branches are connected to the tree, but they seem lifeless. In fact, it'd be hard to tell the difference between a a live branch and a dead branch today when you look out there in wintertime, but spring is coming. How many of you know that? Spring is coming. And when spring comes, the, all of a sudden the, the sap, the, the light begins to move through the branches that are connected to the life giving tree. And as it springs, the sap begins to come. There's an explosion that happens. Uh, all of a sudden, a little bud. And from that little bud comes a, comes a flower, and then comes a, a twig, and eventually some produce come and the, the fruit right there on the end of the tree. A change occurs, but that change occurs from the inside out. Here's the deal. The primary way that God works in our lives is from the inside out. And the Holy Spirit is working on the inside. When you invite Christ into your life and you have that born again experience, the Holy Spirit is there living and working on the inside of you. He's birthing things in you that can happen, that can affect the outward part of your world in a positive way. There's fruit that's born in your life because there's an explosion of power from the inside that comes out of your life so that you can become a world changer. There's so much that can happen when we allow the Holy Spirit to work from the inside out. But here's what happens. Many times we're not necessarily connected to the vine. It's like we take a tree branch and some duct tape. And, and, and we try to duct tape ourselves, but we're not truly connected. So we don't really see a lot of fruit. So we try to duct tape some fruit to it. And we try to duct tape some leaves to it. And we try to, we try to duct tape some life to it. But there, there, there's not really life. It's cosmetic. It's artificial. It's all on the outside. But nothing truly is coming from the inside. The only way to get a real genuine fruit of the Holy Spirit is not by taping a lot of things on the outside, but it's about letting the Holy Spirit explode in your life on the inside. It's about letting the Holy Spirit move and change from the outward circumstances and behaviors and and to begin to allow those to change from the inside, not just cosmetic changes. I share this not because I'm trying to be harsh, but because I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for you. I don't want to just teach you a bunch of stuff to let you duct tape things to your life. But I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, an explosiveness of the Holy Spirit in your life that changes you so that you are a different person from the inside out, a living, vital relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants for us. Thirdly, you need to have an expectation of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples to wait For the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gave them an expectation. And they obeyed the Lord. Listen, Acts chapter 11. uh, Acts chapter 1, 11 and 12 states that they went back to Jerusalem. They went into that upper room. And what did they do? Here's what it says in verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Along with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You know what they did? They had a prayer meeting. You know what they did? They made space. They made space and they began to pray and they began to wait in expectation for what Jesus had promised them. And friends, in our lives today, we are busy. There is a lot that is happening. And maybe perhaps this COVID-19 is, is one of those things that is an opportunity for us to pull back, to let, let our world and everything in our world slow down a little bit. And if we will take time to pray, if we will take time to make space, if we will take time to wait in expectation, this could be a great opportunity for us like those to, to, to put the calendar aside, to put all of those other the things that grab our attention aside, and to begin to wait and allow the Holy Spirit to come and to empower us during this time. You see, as they waited with expectation and as they positioned themselves for what was coming, they received the power of the Holy Spirit that ended up transforming their world. Friends, we have a world that needs transformed. We have a world that needs hope. We have a world that is not wanting a body of Christ that is dead and in the grave, but a body of Christ that is living and active through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is when we begin to wait on the Lord, when we begin to wait in expectation and pray, and we say, Jesus, I need an experience, I need an explosive, I need the power of your Holy Spirit working in me, that he begins to bring the change that impacts our world. Friends, that's what we need. We need to take some time. We need as disciples to position ourselves to receive the promise. Now let me land the plane a little bit this morning. Jesus had made the promise of the Holy Spirit available to each one of us. It's a promise that is for all of us and one that the disciples knew was vital for living and for the mission. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, the great Pastor once said this, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, like coals without a fire. We are useless. So let me ask you this morning, do you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Maybe you need to begin because you need to be born again. You have not received Christ into your life. You you haven't taken that step to engage and to begin a relationship with Jesus and to invite him in your life. I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to do that today to begin a born-again experience where you allow the Holy Spirit to come and to awaken your spirit. Perhaps you've been born again, but you have not ex- in, in encountered the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And today, you say, I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As we pray, I just want you to begin to, to ask, Jesus, I need the baptism in your Holy Spirit. Jesus, will you, will you give me the power of your Holy Spirit? Will you give me a, a life immersion in your Spirit? Will you, will you give me a fresh encounter? Some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, but boy, you are dry, and you need the Lord to reawaken a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit today. Friends, I want to pray And if you need to accept Christ into your life, as I pray, will you receive Jesus into your life today? And also, if you need the the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray today for the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray today that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Right now, if you need Jesus in your life, will you just pray with me today? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you have come to forgive me of my sin. And you've come to give me your Holy Spirit to live within me. I invite you today, Jesus, to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me today. Come into my life today and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need the Holy Spirit today, let's just begin to pray right now. Begin to pray right now. Jesus, just begin to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Jesus, you're the giver, and we ask right now for your Holy Spirit. We want to receive your Holy Spirit today, the gift of your Holy Spirit, the baptism in your Holy Spirit. And if that's you, will you just begin to ask the Lord right now, I need the Holy Spirit. Give me your Holy Spirit. I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Will you fill me with your promise of power? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want to invite you today. I want to invite you today that that if you need the Holy Spirit in your life, I want to invite you today to continue to pray. Take a few moments, even as we, we close out the live stream in a few minutes, and take some time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life today. You need to be filled with the promise of power. If you receive Christ today, I would invite you to download our PAG app and, and connect with us. There's a way to be able to do that or email us. We'd love to be able to get more materials into your hands and come alongside you in a, in a discipleship way. Again, I want to thank you today for joining our service online today. And again, we're going to be posting in a little bit some discussion uh, questions uh, concerning our message today. I encourage you to discuss those at home. Discuss those with, with people that you know. And if you have questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or anything we shared today, you can connect and, and, uh, and email us, info at PainesvilleAG.com or, or direct message us through one of our social media. And, and we'll be sure to try to connect with you to answer any of those questions that you have. You can connect with us on social media at at Painesville AG. Uh, And again, that email address, info at PainesvilleAG.com. Listen, I'm praying for you. Stay up to date with what's happening. uh, And and we're going to keep you up to date as we move forward with this. And again, we encourage you to pray. God bless you all and have a great week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.